Hi. How are all you uh, fine people doing today? It's uh, it's a beautiful Tuesday, as always. Same uh, same time, same place, in your ears. Uh, and it's Trent here. Uh, another episode of Sal. We're excited to get going. Uh, I've got Zach and Cole with me. How are you boys doing? Doing well. I'm a little tired, but good. Mm-hmm. Doing swell myself. Doing Can't swell. Uh-huh. Looking fine as hell. <laughs> I wonder if there's ever going to be a time when I'm like, I'm doing bad. <laughs> dude, let's get into like, it, my dude. <laughs> the way to grow an audience is to show vulnerability. <laughs> <laughs> It'll happen at some point. Uh, <laughs> we'll make sure it happens. We'll, we'll do it for the, yeah, exactly. the clicks. <laughs> <laughs> um watching next week something terrible happens and then people are like oh they're making it up <laughs> looking forward to a shitty week <laughs> there you go that's, that's that. the mindset <laughs> that's the mindset um well you know zach i think uh, to get into this first bite-sized take here i'd tell you that if something does happen that's shitty to you just know that the only way is through uh <laughs> And that is the uh, the tagline uh, for Under Armour's new uh, campaign. Uh, they've released their their first spot from this new global campaign they're trying to do here in 2020. And unlike past work, it was made entirely in-house, which on the one side is terrifying. But then on the other side, when you realize Droga 5 is usually doing the work, it's interesting to compare the two spots because I would say, to me, it felt like probably one of the better Under Armour spots in the last couple of years. Not to say that Droga hasn't had great work with them, uh, especially the Michael Phelps spot from a few years back. But this ad kind of highlights a mix of regular everyday people to uh, Under Armour sponsored athletes such as Michael Phelps, Steph Curry, um, among others. And uh, it kind of talks through the kind of grit and determination that it takes to train and to work out and to better yourself and to be an athlete. Uh, it's kind of focusing on the process and the work, um, not the end result. Um, and it's talking about like when you're about to hit that wall, when you feel like you can't take another rep, when you can't run any further, do any more, uh, you know, the only way to get through that is to go through and just fight through that, fight through that wall. Um, so it's a pretty good spot. It starts off kind of slow with more commentary narration and as Cole highlighted, there's a bit of a template going on here where <laughs> the further you get into the spot, it's a minute and a half for the long form. It gets more and more intense. And suddenly there's some cool camera work at the end where you feel like you're running out the tunnel with the football team. Um, overall, I thought it was pretty cool. But uh, Zach, I'm going to toss it over to you to hear what your uh, your uh, quick bite-sized take on it is. Yeah, uh, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, overarchingly, I think what it is is a, a very nice return to their roots. Um. Under Armour has always been the the athletic brand that really focused on performance. You know, when they busted onto the scene, the reason they got so much traction was because they were actually creating garments that, that athletes thought were superior for athletic events, you know, whereas Adidas and Nike focus a lot on style as well. Under Armour has never been the style leader. They've always been the performance leader. And I think this spot speaks to that. Obviously, it's putting you right into the weight room right onto the field, right into the action uh, and showcasing obviously their products and, and what they believe in, in that setting. And so I think that's a nice return to what under, what under armor's core is. I remember like the click clack spots from like way back in the day uh, and, and that sort of, stuff. this reminds me of those sorts of spots that really are like gritty and really focused on performance. So I liked it in that sense. 
Um, I'm excited to see. I know Under Armour has been struggling, so I'm excited to see if this helps boost them. Because I think in part, even though that performance push is is so them, and I think they need to highlight it, like with the prominence of athleisure, it's hard to see where they go because they don't create a lot of like athleisure type clothes. And when people are looking for stuff that they can wear to the gym and also just out and about, it's interesting to see where they stack up. But I think if anything is going to put them in the right direction, it's something like this because it speaks to their strong suit, which is actual performance. Well, yeah, there's an interesting marketing strategy complication there. I remember when they started trying to focus in on this a couple of years ago, it kind of felt like the wrong time, wrong place a little bit, where, as you mentioned, like Adidas and Nike, all moving towards that athleisure. Um, I felt like Under Armour was filling a hole that was already filled and no longer had a mass desire to be filled. Um, so it's a little bit complicated. Now you could say they're zagging when everyone else is zigging. Um, but I do feel in some ways, that's why I like this spot so much because I feel like past work has kind of been like, huh, okay, Under Armour, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they've been trying to compete yeah, and it's not there. Like in a place that they hard. Yeah. Just like focusing on the, like the, the, the process of the workout. Like, I think, I think that that makes it more relatable to more people, but they do in a way kind of close themselves off from some people potentially who aren't that extreme athlete, but are wanting to take the first step. I mean, that's why I always think about Nike as being for every athlete, even the everyday person. Mm -hmm. When you think about the spots of, for example, the, the, I forget the tagline that was on it. It was like, be your own, create your own greatness or something like that, where it's the shot of the overweight kid who's just running and you know yeah, like, yeah that's exactly yeah like that feels too. like every day whereas these can sometimes yeah. feel a little bit more exclusive and it's funny too when you think that nike and adidas own a majority of the sports sponsorships with collegiate teams uh it's hard for under armor to break through in that category unless they're willing to spend so it'll be interesting to see mm -hmm. um, but yeah let me toss it back over to you cole <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah definitely and i mean i think um i think it's definitely interesting you know kind of from a creative perspective it's similar i think in a way to the spots that they were putting out like a couple of years ago i don't know if you guys had seen any of those but there was like a gymnast one and then there's a michael phelps one as well where it was also kind of more focused again on those uh mm -hmm. the workout portion mm -hmm. and so this definitely feels like a continuation of that and i mean it's it's hard to say because it's like where does where does under armor have a leg to stand on i mean they they can't really compete so much in the athleisure space um I think, you know, Nike and Adidas have dug in and they're really competing hard, you know, in the sense that there's like, you know, they're practically almost in like fashion shows and stuff like that to the to the extent that they're like pushing that. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like it's it almost does seem like a way that Under Armour needs to fall back on their more kind of traditional like performance driven roots. And I mean, it, it kind of shows, though, in, you know, the sponsorship deals they have and in the sense that they have huge stars. I mean, they have like Steph Curry, Tom Brady, Michael Phelps, like huge, huge names um, that, you know, but they still aren't able to kind of push that brand capital to kind of compete directly with Nike and Adidas. And it, I mean, I think, Zach, and we've we've chatted about this before and why hasn't Under Armour been able to break through with all of mm -hmm. these big sponsorship deals, with all of these, you know, they've been putting out ads for the past, you know, five years, but they've continued to drop. I, I was just looking at their share price. They continue to drop. Even, even now, they're just sort of leveling out after yeah. they fell like three years ago. And, 
you know, it's uh, it's because it seems like they haven't really had a central message in a way. Like we know their performance, we know they have some of these big names that we could be seeing in spots, but like just power through it. You know, I I had never heard that before, and it's like I feel like if they really want to make an impact, it's like they just need to like drive that into our yeah. minds for like the next like two years practically. Well, and that's the thing is like it was it was tough for them as as Trent brought up a little bit. Mm-hmm. The entire world moved towards athleisure and that's not been, you exactly. know, it never has been. And it's like, you're stuck in such a hard place because you, you don't want to abandon who you are, but at the same time, you kind of want to try and cater to it if that's the way the world's going. Uh, so you don't get left completely behind and it, and it clearly affected them. And I think they were plagued with some internal struggles too. Uh, but just the culmination of all of that resulted in a few years of, of bad luck and, and, and shitty advertising maybe not to the advertising, but just shitty directional vision just because they didn't really know how to take their message and apply it to modern trends and to the way the world was going. And hopefully they can just own a smaller space, a smaller share of the market and, and, and really own that space. And, and that'll be their, their ticket. Yeah. I feel like that's what they got to do. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting point where like, um, Hey, look, I, I, I work in advertising. I'm going to say creativity can solve most any problem. But that said, uh, it's a classic example of like how you run your business matters just as much as how you market your business. And if the two aren't working in tandem, um, it's going to be a lot harder to break through. And I think in the past, you know, uh, Kevin was his name, Kevin Plank, right, has had a lot of issues with uh supply chain and having too many pro like they flood the market with products too which isn't good because then there's like all these different types of things and then you don't know what to buy necessarily because you're not sure which is better and then also because there's so much product available in stores stores have to cut prices because they need to move it there's too much that they can move easily so they kind of haven't had smart business decisions in that point too and just doing some research too it seems like kevin plank's been kind of hard to work with um So I think the organization is kind of doing some growing up over the last couple of years, too. I know they're under investigation for some accounting practices. Um, So it'll be really interesting to see where Under Armour is in the next five years. Um, It's, uh, you know, hopefully to your point, Zach, I think or Cole, they need to continue hammering this kind of stuff. And that's the thing is brand building doesn't happen overnight. And I can get investors being upset with brand building uh when sales are declining but that's kind of the way to start getting back but it'll it'll be really interesting to see where under armor is in our minds in a few years yeah exactly i mean it's like whether or not they can capitalize on it because i mean i totally agree with what you're saying you know with the supply chain issues and like flooding the market and stuff it's like i mean i i have the impression and i feel like most people do that under armor is a little bit lower quality than you know, a Nike or an Adidas. Yeah, right. That's like what's crazy is when it's technically higher quality, but then there's so much of them available and there's always stuff on sales that you're just like, whereas like, I know if I'm going to get something for Nike, it's going to be over a hundred dollars and I'm going to have to shell out that change, but you know, it'll be worth it. And so it's interesting. Um, But speaking of interesting, four P's, man. Yeah, the four P's. What is it? Hey, I'm going to put you on the spot. What what are the four P's, Cole? Uh, Product price, product price, promotion. promotion. Yeah, there you go. Way to go. Yeah, but what are the the seven P's, though? Uh, People, uh, process, uh, process, and I don't remember the other one. I remembered people. 
Yeah, yeah fucking, I can't tell you who knows. I will say they don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, wait. <laughs> like, let me let me back up. They do matter, but like, you're, not not necessarily as peace. It's, it's never going to come up like that. Yeah, exactly. It's it's yeah. a product. Yeah. <laughs> seven P's of marketing. I'm sorry, Kate. If if my old marketing teacher is listening right now, uh, I know, right? The the product, price, promotion, place, packaging, positioning, and people. You have to worry about those as you build up your marketing mix yeah. to have a full 360 interaction with the consumer, all that jazz. And I, okay, it it kind of matters. <laughs> it does, but they, you're never going to hear them as. I've never been in a strategy discussion, and it's like, okay, how does this campaign relate to the seven P's? Yeah, exactly. let's write them all down. Yeah, like they're still there, though, and they're still very prominent, just in not the way you'd, you'd think. Yeah, much like Under Armour, they're still there and they're still prominent, just not in how you think. Not the way you think. Exactly. Um, we're going to move on. Uh, as I touched on earlier, uh, talking about shelling it out. Uh, we've got some sea turtles we're going to talk about. Um, little known fact that maybe should be a more well-known fact, even though it's a sad fact, is that Greenpeace UK says six out of seven species of sea turtles face extinction. And they need more uh, safe habitats uh, for them to recuperate and rebuild their population numbers. Um, so they partnered with Ardmans. And I'm not sure if there's an agency involved with this or not. Uh, typically, Mother UK has handled Greenpeace stuff, but this may have been something that Greenpeace did solo. Um, but they partnered with Ardmans, who is the uh, studio behind uh, Wallace and Gromit uh, and all of those lovely films. So you can imagine how jarring it is to see a turtle that has a Wallace and Gromit-esque face on it at first. It's a little bit interesting, but it actually is a very good spot. Um, kind of essentially, it's a very relatable film. It follows this family of sea turtles that are in a car. Um, just for the storytelling sake, the car didn't have windows or a roof. Uh, that comes into that's important <laughs> later on. Um, but it's a dad turtle, a mama turtle, and two little kid turtles. And they're driving and then they get stuck in traffic because there's two whales that are lying on the seafloor um, blocking the road. And there's commentary on the radio about how there's some migration changes going on. So then they have to take the scenic route, but then they take the scenic route and half of the coral they're driving past is dead. And you see drillers in the background and one breaks the ground and oil comes out. Uh, and eventually, and there's commentary on the radio, they're talking about stuff. And eventually they get home you see like high winds or high, uh, the equivalent of winds underwater, like a big path. Or, yeah. Thank you. A current. Wow. We're talking about current news and I can't remember the word current. Um, it's okay. You know, I, uh, <laughs> we all have our moments. Um, they eventually get home and there's an illusion that like, Oh, I didn't realize these other people were out of town. Like, so this family's missing and realistically dead uh and then as they're getting into their house this i guess it's a boat or some kind of drilling equipment comes in and it's like what no get the kids ah and like the house explodes and everyone dies and then it fades to black and it talks that six out of seven species face extinction um and it wants you to sign a petition to get more like safe sanctuaries of like turtle populations to help them rebound um it's a very well done spot and i think Ad, Ad Week talks about this too, but I think it's really relatable because of its universal themes. <laughs> like the the fact like the family road trip and having the delays and then you're really, it, 
I was joking with Cole before we started that they really are making it relatable to humans at the expense of accuracy <laughs> in the sense of like the story could have like if they had windows on the cars, they wouldn't have been affected by the environment around them. Uh, they're also in the ocean, so they could have just swam and not had to have taken the scenic route. Right. So, you know, there's some holes there you can poke at it. But like at the heart of it, like it's done intentionally because it is making it so universal to to us who are watching it. And I think we've talked about some of these spots before, like when we saw the humans wrapped up in plastic on the beach and stuff like that, where it was just really disturbing. Um, you know, I think it does a good job of making you relate to these animals. Um, and it's a, you know, it's a very sad spot, but it's a very good spot. Uh, so Zach, I'm going to toss it over to you. Um, sea turtles hold a special place in my heart. Uh, starting, I feel like all the way back in like elementary school, we used to do the like Galapagos turtle race that had that website where like all the turtles that were tracked would like race. You could pick one and it might win. And it was cool. Anyway, I had no idea that was a thing. Yeah, that was thing. We, did it, we, we did it when we were learning about sea turtles in like elementary school. And then also, you know, to add on to that, Finding Nemo was the second uh, addition to sea turtle love in my life. Uh, oh, yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. Point being, I love sea turtles. And so this hit me especially hard in that sense, just because it is very, very sad and, and gut wrenching at the end. Um, when you see obviously the fate of, of what's happening to their home and to them. Um, but to your point about the relatability, that is exactly what makes it so special, I think, as an adder or so impactful in that sense is, again, the fact that these are things that every family can relate to. It really helps establish the connection that you would have as a family, the connection that these turtles have to each other. Uh, and brings back all the memories that you might have in your head about going on a road trip. Um, and so as you see that happening, and, and then obviously as as it starts, everything seems okay. And as it progresses, um, you start to see more and more things that have gone wrong, the whales in the road, the drilling, and the oil, and then finally that bulldozer or uh, whatever we're calling the thing that smashes through their home at the end. Yeah, it looked like a spaceship. I don't know what it was. Yeah, it's like yeah. <laughs> it really takes a a dark turn in that sense. And and to that point, it reminds me a few weeks ago we did that uh, animated spot about the lions and the the poaching. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, and it yeah. kind of in that same vein, what we talked about a lot in that piece was the uh, like using animation as the, the medium or using animation as the method to tell these stories because of its ability to one, take a little bit of the edge off of the seriousness and also creating characters that are very relatable to the audience um, in a fun and interesting way. And, and, and using that again, obviously this was in a different style, I think has the same effect in this piece where it, it helps you connect with them on a very emotional level just to you know rip your heart out at the end of it which is effective (laughs) it's effective as an ad and it makes for a really good story in that sense so i liked it yeah so the the animation is a key you would say if you're trying to get uh especially with environmental stuff but with any kind of cause it sounds like animation is a good way to get people to relate a little bit more especially because it most people are watching animation i think at a more vulnerable time in their life when they were children they're young figuring out the world uh, so it brings them back to a different time. And then also, uh, you know, factoring those human elements uh, to make us relate to them a little bit more too are both very important factors for those kinds of spots. Cole, what do you, uh, what do you think? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I got I got to kind of agree with that. Um, throw out a ten cents ten cent word here: anthropomorphism. <laughs> so it's making animals that's seem kind of like furry people. shit. <laughs> I know, right? Practically. No, I'm just joking. But making uh, making animals seem more like people, and that's something that animation can do really well. And I think um, one thing that's nice about this spot is that it makes the sea turtle like. I mean, as we've all been saying, it makes them really relatable and seem very human-like um and i think Ardman does a really good job of that i mean i i i love wallace and gromit growing up and so this was this was really fun to see uh for me so i really like the animation style and whatnot um they're very cute little like turtles with like buck teeth and stuff <laughs> so it's, it's fun um and it just looks really well done yeah um so i i really enjoyed the animation style and it did make the turtles like really relatable and i mean there is a part where the turtles like were just like openly crying in front of you like, it's what? Just, like damn like i don't know what to feel about this but um it's uh, i i think they do a good job of it and i think it really helps to um highlight the issues of the ocean obviously i mean yeah exactly the actual accuracy of the uh you know of the spot is questionable <laughs> but i mean i think i think for the message and uh you know what they were able to do and i i mean the fact too that this is all stop motion um ardman does stop motion animation primarily i i think there was a mix of cgi in this one because there was some pretty expansive you mm-hmm. know underwater habitats but um you know they're really good at stop motion animation. There's a lot of kind of craft there, so that's that's. Well, and to to their rescue and to the point of like the flaws. That's the other thing that animation kind of gives you freedom to do is when you animate, you're mm-hmm. creating your own world, your own style, and with that comes your own set of rules of how the world works. Uh, mm-hmm. We talk about that a lot. At my my boss is an animator, so he's all into this stuff. We talk a lot about, about illustration and animating these worlds and and the freedoms it gives you when you're creating a spot. And it helps to mitigate some of those concerns. Like they don't necessarily have to function how a real sea turtle will function because they're not in the real sea turtle world. They're in this one you created and so on and so forth. And like, so I think that helps like maybe cars don't have windows and doors and that's just how they're built because they're, it was a shell, you know, And, and maybe they can't swim as fast or as far whatever it may be, but it helps to, it helps you when you're, when you're trying to tell that story and it, it kind of gives you the freedom to create the world you want to with the rules that you want to, um, to kind of mitigate some of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Like said, and they, and they lean into that a fun way, I think, you know, that kind of like adds to the charm. Almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I mean, it's a good point you bring up Zach. I like that a lot because especially with spots like these, I mean, something like this is controversial. <laughs> Even if I would argue it shouldn't be, it's inherently political today. Um, and with that, there are going to be people who are like, I mean, already you say Greenpeace, since you're either going to get a really positive reaction or a really negative reaction inherently from people. Uh, and whether you agree with everything they've yep. done or not, um, that's okay. You don't have to. I think stuff like this, though, advocating for different causes that some people aren't aware of is good because it gives then the people the option to get involved or not get involved if they so desire. And with that said, something that is political nowadays, there's going to be an increased amount of skepticism around it. And I feel like if this was like some kind of like real shot thing or, you know what I mean? Like anytime there's an inherent like flaw, then that's a jumping off point where someone can criticize it and be like, no, 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 that's bullshit. 
But when you yeah. animate it, to your exactly. point, I don't know how you would have made this not animating it because it's turtles. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't think real life turtles sitting in the car would have been anywhere creatively interesting, although it may have been funny and odd. Um, uh, you know, by creating this own world, you own the rules of engagement. You own the you own the story and you're able to kind of get people to buy in. You're able to get people to suspend disbelief because they're buying into that story. And I think that that is a good job that this spot does and, and a good mm-hmm. thing for any kind of cause-based organization to take away uh, when you're trying to get people to buy into something, especially something they may not have known about before or something they may be hesitant about before, using animation, using these humanizing qualities to the things you're portraying uh, are very good ways to get people to buy in and relate to something, um, which is a good point you bring up. Exactly. Add, add creativity, man. I, I always think of like those, you know, Sarah McLaughlin, the ASPCA spots, you know, it's like, it's, it's like become a cliche almost of, you know, the, the plight of, you know, a dolphin or a, you know, an abused dog or something like that. Obviously those are things that we should care about, but it's things that we've like seen a lot before. And this kind of puts the context, I think in a different, more, more fun, you know, way that you could like show a kid too. And they would mm-hmm. you know, get the idea. Yeah. Like there's, um, and spoiler, like, or not spoiler, a uh, transparency note here. Uh, I work on Adobe at 72 and sunny. So I guess, take that as you will as i say this but there's a spot the adobe team at 72 and sunny did a while back or last early last year before i had been a part of the team for um an animal shelter here and i believe it was in long beach actually that they used like they photographed all the shelter animals and they made a video about like how to properly edit your photos to like get them and they talked about like what gets more adoptions all that kind of stuff but they did it in a way that was like humanizing the animals showing the animals like funny qualities getting you to relate to them then having humorous vo and like the colors they're using and seeing them edited and seeing the animals happy and stuff like that like i think that's an infinitely more like influential spot for adoptions than like the sarah mclaughlin sad song because you're like smiling you're engaged you're like looking at the Mm -hmm. animals seeing their personality come out i think like stuff like that to your point cole it's a good point to bring up i think that distinction is so important because like you can only guilt someone so much before they tune out and feel like mm-hmm. they can't make all the difference in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I, and I think that's kind of key there is it's, you know, it's something like, Oh, I've seen this before. I should feel bad. I should be doing more, you know, like that sort of thing. But, you know, if you draw someone in with a narrative, and a, kind of an interesting story, a fun style, then, you know, I think it, it hooks them and it makes someone more open to listening. You know, Totally. Um, but yeah, that's that's all we got uh, for this week. There's a couple other things out there that we thought were worth talking about, but um, we're going to save them for the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks because right now, really, most of the ads out there are <gasps> teaser alert. Watch out. Teaser. That's right. It wasn't good <laughs> enough for you to see it live. You got to see part of it now. And uh, you know, in case you weren't going to watch the game already, which will be a great game, uh, go Niners. Um, can't stand the Chiefs. And uh, we'll leave that hot take out there. And uh, <laughs> I know Zach wow. and Cole support me too, and we'll be rooting for the Niners. So life is good. No, wow. no controversy <laughs> here at Salad Headquarters. <laughs> no dissent of opinion. Nope, nope, not allowed. <laughs> no, I take, I take, I take the point. <laughs> um, I, yeah, it's a life of a Broncos fan. Can't root for the AFC West rivals. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I think that's how we have for you guys today. Leave you with two longer discussions on two interesting ads. 
and we'll dive into more stuff as the weeks come. Hopefully, once the Super Bowl hits, we'll have a lot more interesting spots. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That's all I. That's all I got. <laughs> Feel free to chime in here, by right. boys. Yeah, no, that's it. I like yeah. these two. It was a good discussion. Thanks, yeah. everybody. Sounds good to me. Yeah, thanks, guys, and uh, have an fantastic week. <laughs>